Dear Lord, I thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be able to get into your word again, to look at your truth as you have left us so that we could walk fearlessly and decisively in your truth. We can do all that you've commanded us to do. We know that you gave us this word to help us navigate every deceitful, wicked thing that happens in this world. That when we ourselves fall short of your glory, we have a a pattern, a an outline of how we ought to rise from our failures, rise from our bad decisions, and get back into doing your will. Lord, I pray that this word will be uh, a true enlightenment and encouragement for all those who hear and that they will understand that nothing you said shall return to you void that it will fulfill exactly as you have spoken we give you the glory and the honor in your name jesus we pray amen so we're going to continue our discussion about heaven what heaven will look like the most important discussion believers should have right now. Not the world, not those who haven't come into the faith, but believers. Getting the doctrine right about heaven. Because there is that that enemy out there, that worker of iniquity, the father of lies, who portrays this comfortable truth that is not consistent with the Bible, that is getting people to walk outside of the will of God, but expect to spend eternity with God. So knowing this truth, knowing what heaven is going to look like and who's going should be at the top of our list. And there's no person better to explain the truth about what heaven will look like than Jesus Christ. After all, he is the Savior. He is the one who came, died on the cross for the sins of the world, rose again on the third day, received all power in both heaven and earth, and is currently at the right hand of the Father, interceding for every last one of us. Every time we fall short of the glory of God, he is right there being our mediator keeping us from receiving the punishment that's due to us for being unrighteous, for being outside of what God wants, where he wants us to be. This knowing this truth, who represents this truth and and speaking this truth is very important. Because so many people are following behind preachers, teachers, ministers of of variety who are speaking what they believe heaven will be like, what they believe salvation means, rather than what Christ actually said. You know, I shared not too long ago, uh, probably a few days ago, about how God hates pride. And it is clear throughout the Old Testament scripture, the New Testament scripture, the book of Revelation, how God cannot stand pride. It is not something that will spend 
any time in heaven, any time in everlasting peace with God. When I share that, a person told me that the post was not Christian because it basically called out the biggest celebration going on now around the world is gay pride or homosexual pride or these prides that are against God's original design for man and woman. And he said Jesus Christ would never teach like this. He would never say anything like this. And I always cringe when I hear these statements because I listen to Christ speak and he spoke even more harsh about these things. He spoke very firm and consistently about wickedness, about pride. You know, and then the gentleman even made the statement that a pastor by the name of John MacArthur doesn't teach this way. And I asked the guy, where is John MacArthur in the Bible? Absolutely nowhere. Now, does that take from this guy who is a preacher? Possibly so. Is he preaching according to the word of God? But more and more, I find it that people are standing so close behind a preacher that when someone comes out and says something that doesn't reflect what the preacher says, they go on the offensive and they tell you that you don't align with a certain preacher. But I, I want you to know that this is why so many people are being led away from the will of God, which is ultimately being led away from the kingdom of heaven. We have to know the word of God. It is the most important piece to the walk of a believer. Because if we don't know his word, how could we know we're walking the way God has called us to walk? It's the only way to navigate the faith. Every answer that we are searching for is right in the word of God. The challenge often is, will we accept the answer that we receive? And the reason why we find ourselves often behind somebody who says they are a preacher, but may not preach a certain part of the word, or they found their own niche, or they want to stay away from revelation, or you know they're not really about talking about repentance, is because we are not truly living in the truth that has been given to us through Christ. So tonight, we're going to talk about the parable that Christ discussed when he, when he says, uh, when he talks about the wheat and the tares, which is going to take us back to Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to start at verse 24. And in this parable, Christ explains the two types of people in the faith. Two types of people. And I know everybody said, well, you know, we're all in the body of Christ. We're all family. We're all on the same team. We're all God's children. Well, according to Christ, that is not true. 
So let's read here where uh, in verse 24 it says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain has sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to then go and gather them up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them to let both grow together until the harvest and at the time of the harvest i will say to the reapers first gather the tares and bind them in bundles to be burnt to burn them to gather the wheat into my barn now before we get into breaking down this parable we reading what christ had explained to the disciples i, I want to look at verse 25 he said uh, while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. That's 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 the enemy right there. He he's pretty slick. He came in while men were sleeping, and he sowed tares among the wheat, and then he snuck out. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people today. As I mentioned earlier, following false preachers, they're following false teachers, but no one's going to come out and tell you, hey, I'm a false teacher. They're going to come in while people are asleep. Or they are distracted or they're focused on things that are not in line with what they ought to be focused on, according to the word of God. He said he came into the area where they were sleeping at and sold tares, which is weeds, weeds that grow up in the grass. And the whole purpose of a weed is to destroy the grass. And then once he was done, he, he got out of there. And then Christ explains this parable. He breaks it down, you know, because the disciples didn't understand it. That's why I say again, you need the Holy Spirit. Because even even after explaining this parable, you can still be lost. You can still not get it because the Holy Spirit is one that really breaks things down to you. It gives you confirmation about what you hear. It allows you to know if you're a tear or uh, a wheat. And we're going to go to verse 36 where then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And the disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. I love how Jesus just gets straight to the point. He breaks this down. He says, 30, 37, he answered and said to them, he who sows good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. So let's stop right there. And let's look at that scripture. 
Everybody who goes to church with you is not a believer in Jesus Christ. Everybody who goes to church with you is not a child of God. This is Christ talking right here. This is not, you can't even pawn it off to say, well, you know, that was a disciple saying it. This is the Savior saying that the world, in the world, which is the field, there is good seed, and those good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. And when he gives this parable, before he breaks it down, he says that they were sown, the tares were sown among the wheat, the good seed. Deception is, this is why deception is, is snatching people so easy, because if you don't look close enough and you don't expect uh, the field real well, a, a wheat could look just like a tear. It, it, it looks you can't really tell the difference until you get close. And start doing some work to look and expect and say, OK, that's a wheat and that's a tear. And that's why there's not a lot of intention about telling congregation there. A lot of pastors tell their congregations to go back and study what I told you. Because if you study. You can easily find out that somebody's. A son of the wicked one. That's not wheat. That's not good seed. And we're going to continue. Verse 39 says the enemy who sold them is the devil. He's talking about the tares. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. What is the end of the age? I know a lot of people are like, well, what is the end of the age? I, I hear that a lot. I see it all the time where, you know, some prophets coming out and they're giving this diagram and all these different <laughs> breakdowns of what's going on here and how the time frame calculates and all this stuff. You know, Jesus never did that. He didn't give any type of uh, map or anything. He basically made it very plain to them. And it, we're going to skip over for a moment at Matthew 24, where the disciples came to him and he said, tell us in verse three. When will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So here's the end of the age. Here's what it's going to look like. Verse four, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Verse seven. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence and earthquakes in various places. And all these things are the beginning of sorrows. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my sake. Before we keep reading, I want you all to understand that. In America, it's illegal to kill somebody because they uh, are a Christian or whatever faith they may be. There's federal laws, there's state laws that forbid this type of action. But I want you to know that around the world, it is the complete opposite. If your faith is not the same as that country or that region, they have the rights to persecute you. 
put you in prison, and in some places even kill you. And there are Christians being killed all over the world, believers, the followers of Jesus Christ who will not renounce their faith. They're being killed every single day. But here in America, because we have these laws and that media does a real good job of only letting you see what they want you to see, many people have the false idea that Christians are not really being persecuted, as Christ said. I'm not talking about the persecution in America where you share a post and someone calls you a bigot. I'm talking about the persecution where people have to have church underground or they'll be killed. That's happening as we speak in various places around the world. And verse 10, he says, and then many will be offended, will betray one another and hate one another. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. What is Christ talking about in lawlessness? He's not talking about someone's breaking the law, speeding. Uh, someone is cheating on their taxes or, you know, robbing somebody at, at gunpoint. He's talking about immorality. Sexual immorality, uh, perverse thoughts, lying, deception witchcraft, sorcery, idolatry, the lawlessness against his law, him being the one that we are supposed to uh, worship with all our being. He said, because this, these wicked uh, ways are increasing, the love of many will go cold. He said, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. In verse 13. In verse 14, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations and the end will come. We're going to skip down to uh, verse 31. He says, and he will send his angels with a great sound and a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So this is the end of the age. And this is what Christ is talking about. This is the harvest. And the harvest, if you look at what Christ described in Matthew 24, we are in the end of the age. The harvest is taking place as we speak. All right. And we're getting to that place, that place, that time where the reapers are going to come and gather. The reapers are the angels. And and they're going to gather all the elect. So let's get back over to let's get back to verse thirty uh, nine, actually verse forty in Matthew chapter thirteen. Back to the parable of the uh, wheat and the tares, as Christ explains them. He says, "Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age." Verse 41, the son of man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all the things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. So we have to look at this scripture here. I, I can't tell you how many people who say they are a Christian and are homosexual. They are Christian, but they have monogamous relationships. 
They're Christian, but they do what they want to do. Those are tares. Those are the ones who are practicing lawlessness. Those are the ones that offend according to the Bible. And this type of way, this lifestyle, those who practice, he didn't say those who fell short of the glory of God, those who sinned. He said those who practice lawlessness. That means they've accepted this wicked way of life. And he said those people will be gathered and burned in the fire. He said, verse 42, I will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be welling and gnashing of teeth. In verse 43, then the righteous will shine forth as the son of the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, this is not a comfortable parable for a lot of people today. Because Christ explains the Old Testament talks about lawlessness, what it is. And the practice of it. Those who are say they believe in Christ Jesus, but they still practice lawlessness. They will not be in heaven. When Jesus Christ gather. His, his the children of God. They won't be there. So, again, this dispels the myth that all you have to do is say Jesus and you've bought a ticket into heaven. You are obligated, as Christ said, to stop doing things that do not reflect righteousness. Period. If you don't, he will gather you up and toss you in the fire. And this is. As I said before, one of the most devastating uh, teachings because it doesn't fit the narrative of today. It doesn't fit the mass crowd teachings of today. Because most people are looking for comfort in doing things they shouldn't do. And I, I, I experience it all the time, especially with this wicked social media platforms that are out there. Or people just come out and just say, no, God isn't like this. He's he doesn't hate pride. God can't hate. And all these ridiculous things people say, never looking into the Bible for themselves because they sat behind a pastor who won't tell you that God hates sin. He hates abomination. He hates pride. Because then you're probably going to walk out of that church if you're there for for comfort and not there for a change. One of the biggest examples I get often is that the woman by the well said, the, a gentleman told me, said, you know, this Christ was not like that. He didn't just call people out. Look at the woman by the well. Completely taking that experience, that teaching out of context. First of all, the woman by the well was by the well. She wasn't in the crowd. She wasn't among people. She was by herself. And Jesus had a meeting with this person, a divine meeting with this person. And what he told her is uh, very offensive to people today. He basically told her that you are a, uh, a an adulterous woman who is a whoremonger. You have five husbands and the one you with is not even yours. 
Now you tell me how many people going accept that type of discussion, private or public. He called it out. He called out her wicked ways right there on the spot. And it wasn't if it wasn't for him identifying, going straight to the point about her ways, she never would have changed. And because he was upfront, because he was honest and told her where she is falling short at, she changed and she went back to be a witness unto Christ, said, come see a man that's told me all that I've done. But we don't want that today. We want that watered down, shout hallelujah, run up and down the church and leave still being a whoremonger, a cheater, an adulterer, a liar, sexually immoral, a thief, whatever the case may be. We can't change until we are honest with the ways that are in our lives. And to Christ, that's practicing lawlessness. And none of that will be in the kingdom of heaven, period. Any preacher, I'd be very, very leery of any preacher today who is not preaching repentance. Any minister, any teacher who is not talking about repentance. We look around the world today and it is a flood of sin, accepted sin, normalized sin. And then you have crowds line up to hear God's blessing you. God has a miracle. I see so many posts on social media. If if you believe God can turn your situation around in two seconds, type amen. God not turning nothing around if you ain't doing what he told you to do. But a lot of people are excited. They want to hear that. But when you go back and you look at what Christ said, he said that many false prophets will rise up. As he explains the end times, the end of age, he said many will be deceived. A false prophet is someone that comes out and tells you, listen, God can turn your situation around in two seconds. Type amen. That's a false prophet. Because the first thing a prophet requires you to do, if you go back and you look at any prophet in the Bible, any prophet, every single one of them required that you obey God first before God did anything for you. Just like the widow who had just a little bit of food left that she was going to eat her and her son and die. But before God blessed her tremendously, she had to be obedient. And that obedience came by denial of self. She gave a, a cake to the prophet with a little bit of food she had left. And that turned around and not only brought her son back to life, but she was blessed with enough to eat while everybody else went hungry. That's why I say there is no better place than to be in the will of God. In a recession, economy collapse, whatever the case may be, because God going to make sure you continue to be a testament of who he is. But if we don't know the will of God because we don't study the word of God, then we are outside of what his promises and we're going to find ourselves falling by the wayside. 
We can go and stock up all day long on food. Who says your food's going to last that long? He never told his disciples that when you see all this stuff happen, doomsday prep, fill your pantries, fill your cabinets, make sure you got connections and make sure you have your investments in place and your stocks is lined up. He said, when you see all this stuff happen, look up for your redemption is nigh. He didn't say look up and stop moving forward. He didn't say stop being a testimony, stop going making disciples of all nations. He said, look up. And continue to do what he's called you to do. But if we don't know the truth. If we sit behind whoever the pastor may be, John MacArthur, T.D. Jakes, whoever the person may be. And we don't study the word of God for ourselves. It's real easy, as I said, to miss a tear in a wheat because we're not close enough and we're not studying what's in front of us. Remember, Christ said that the enemy came. And he sold the tares when men were sleeping. He didn't sell the tares when people were fired up about God's word, super excited, just in the word study. He said when they was out sleeping, sleeping on the job, here come the enemy. And when they woke up, <laughs> when they woke up, there were tares there. Well, if you want to take this parable and make it equivalent to any recent event, you can look at COVID-19. People were sleeping on God. Just be honest. Let's just be real. If anything, it was routine. Church on Sunday, Bible study, if you felt like it, after church, out eating, hanging out. And then doing your thing, watching the game, never getting that, never taking that time to study the word, to look to see if this pastor was giving out truth. And then, of course, while we all fell asleep, the pandemic happened and we woke up. There were tears all around us now. I can't tell you how many false prophets showed up on social media. So into my cash app now, God want to bless you. Go ahead and put a hundred dollar seed into this ministry because God has a miracle waiting on you. They had on the sheep's clothes. They had the sheep wardrobe on looking just like children of Christ. They knew how to talk and walk just like them. And they sound so compelling because they knew exactly what to say. They fit right in. And now look what happened. Many believers don't know where to turn, what to, what to do. So they just go back to the routine. In the middle of a completely chaotic world right now, this world is upside down. Anybody don't believe it is willfully blind or spiritually blind by Satan. Everything from music, TV shows, politicians, preachers, it is confusing. It's upside down. It has no consistency. Sin is okay. I mean, there was a time in America where sin wasn't accepted like it is now. You couldn't just say what you want to say on TV. You couldn't have uh, two women kissing on TV. I was looking at a commercial for the U.S. Army, a cartoon commercial 
out of all things. But in that commercial, there was this young lady and she had two moms. That was not accepted five years ago. It wasn't accepted 20 years ago. But now it's normal. It's normalized. And anybody who says anything against it is considered evil and wicked. But when you don't take the time to study God's word, when the Holy Spirit is not leading you in what you look at and what you listen to, what you're being, what's being preached over you and prophesied and declared over you, you're finding yourself following everything God says stay away from. And before you know it, even if you don't practice the lawlessness, we find ourselves condoning the lawlessness. I, I, I can't tell you how many people say they're Christians and come out and say, you shouldn't talk like that about uh, the sins of people. Or just mind your business. Even when I generalize the post, I don't send it to anybody's page or when I have conversations with people, I don't direct it to anyone specific unless I'm led to by the Holy Spirit. And I get this this fired off effect from people who say they follow Christ, but don't want to talk about the very things Christ said we shouldn't be doing. The word of God must be studied. Every single day. We have to take that time, set aside time to look at what's being said to us, what's being preached to us, what is being declared over our life to find out, are we being led by a wheat or are we being led by a tear? And when the end comes, as Christ said, when the harvest is finished, those tears are going to be gathered up and put into the fire of furnace. We got to know his word in this season. It's important. Our life depends on it while we walk this faith and our soul depends on it when our life is over. It's, it's Jesus finished his parable. He says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He's saying, if you have the ability to listen, then you better listen. It's, again, it just it just dispels the myth. That everybody who say Jesus Christ and go to your church with you, that sit in your prayer group or your Bible study, they're, they're not a child of God. Paul said those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Led by the spirit of God. So I, I just want to, again, encourage everyone. To get into the word of God, to make it a, a point in your life, to put his word above anyone else's. You want to know what heaven looks like? Look at the parables that Jesus Christ talked about. Certain people are not going. It's it's inevitable. We can't stop that. But we can find ourselves on the same path as that person, according to Jesus Christ. If we are those who offend and those who practice lawlessness, we need to be separate. We need to be set apart from the things that God does not like, the things he hates. And we can't condone unrighteousness. It don't matter who does it. Someone says, you know, I got a sibling that is homosexual. And I would never turn the person away. Well, according to the Bible, 
two things supposed to happen. One, you're supposed to speak the truth. And two, if they claim to be a believer in Christ Jesus and they've accepted lawlessness, sexual immorality, they're supposed to be cast from among the believers. They're supposed to be removed. And Christ made it clear, if you love your family members, your kids more than me, your mother, your father more than me, he said that you are not worthy of me. So we rather substitute doing God's will because we don't want to offend somebody who's related to us or somebody who's been our friend for a long time. And Jesus Christ is saying, listen, uh, you can't spend eternity with me. We have to deny ourselves and take up our cross. That is the faith. That is what we are standing for and standing on. Not someone else's twisted version of the word of God. Not some denominational's declaration of faith and what they believe through whatever rules and laws they establish. Because not one denomination is in the Bible. Not one. I know people claim Baptist is, but that's that's because they took the, the name John the Baptist and twisted it around to say that's why we have Baptist, because the guy was named John the Baptist. Never reading right there in the Bible, he's called John the Baptist because he was appointed by God to baptize people for the profession of their repentance and to make way for Christ's coming to the earth, the, the Messiah, to show up. That's why he was called John the Baptist. It was many, 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 many years later, some guy comes along and starts the Baptist church. And they, I've seen so many, I mean, there was a guy today, uh, I saw a video where he was talking about taking all homosexuals out and shooting them in the back of the head. He said, that's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. Well, but he's part of a Baptist church. That's the reason why you don't follow religion. You don't follow denomination. You don't follow ministry. You follow the Messiah. He taught and appointed an apostle and disciples to give us how we ought to operate, how we test the spirit, how we stand against the schemes of Satan. That's how we make this faith become a true walk in our life. And we see the divine favor, provision, and protection that God ultimately has for us. I can tell you my own personal life, I've been through so many storms. I was just telling my youth group earlier today how I've been hit with everything you could think about. And there, there are times where I know for sure that because I looked up at Christ, he made a way. I saw myself going down the path of complete defeat, mentally, emotionally, financially, uh, according to my health. But I decided to look at what he reflects, what his word says, and I was taken out of complete devastation. My whole situation turned around. That is God's promise to us. He will keep the righteous in the midst of complete unrighteousness. 
because he has a reputation that he must uphold so that no one can stand around and say that God is a liar. If someone says he's a liar, they have to present you with some proof that cannot be disputed. But there is no proof that will ever exist because God, he is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He cannot lie and he will not change. So let's get in his word and let's stay in his word. Let's look at the truth and let's follow the truth. And that's it. Remember, the tares and the wheats, if you're not close enough and you don't inspect, you cannot tell the difference. Satan knows this. That's why he keeps truth afar off from people who attend many of these churches. Because if he brought it truth to their face, they can easily say that is not of God. So be encouraged in this season. Walk in the will of God. Be obedient to the will of God. And let's not practice lawlessness. Because we don't want to be the ones that are convicted and sentenced when the harvest is complete. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for keeping us in every way, shape, fashion, and form. The enemy is defeated in every way. The word of God is always true. We know through the faith that we have promises that you will keep us in every storm. You alone are worthy. We give you all the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.